Father, this morning, we ask that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus, that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us. We pray that you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we will walk worthy of you and fully pleasing you and bearing fruits. We thank you, Father, that your word works in us. Thank you, Father, that we come to maturity. Thank you, Father, that we come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And we, being no longer tossed by every wind of doctrine, will be edified together. We will grow in love. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're welcome to uh, carriage service this morning. This is Love and Grace City Church. I am uh, uh, the seventh pastor, Reverend Isaac Lafpapel is my name and um, I want you to get ready with your Bibles and your notebooks and your pens please if you are listening to our teaching you need to make some notes down don't say you're going to keep them in your memory you can't keep everything in your memory you are, uh, in fact some of you are soon going to forget when we are, we are done teaching so please make sure you put down some notes so that you can be able to revisit them and then go through the scriptures that you learned praise God now we want to continue with our teaching on the responsibility of forgiveness which is under uh, the main topic Christ the riches of our eternal forgiveness so we are dealing with the responsibility of forgiveness you can also title it the responsibility of grace a lot of times we have said that many people come to understand the message of grace and get to a point where they feel where, where they feel other scriptures don't really matter anymore and I've explained to you that when you read the epistles carefully, you are going to see um, um, two main things. First of all, you are going to see doctrine, then you are going to see instructions. Every apostle in every epistle outlined doctrine, which was that which establishes the believer in the faith. The believer must understand the faith he believes. He must understand that he was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is doctrine he must understand he is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus this is to establish him in Christ he must understand that he is saved forever he must understand that he is completely forgiven he must understand that he is rooted in Christ he must understand that he has come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God he must understand that he is dead to sin and sin no longer has dominion over him that is doctrine it establishes the believer in the faith it grounds him and it roots him in the faith of christ but you see the believer is not only told to be grounded and rooted in doctrine the believer also must come to understand that he has a responsibility with every doctrine that he comes to understand now in the epistles wherever the apostles gave uh, doctrines they also made time to also give instructions now, we said instructions actually outline the practical work of the believer. It gives uh, commandments or charges or warnings or admonitions on how the believer should walk. So, doctrine is for the faith of the believer. Then, instruction is for the work of the believer. So, we explained the other time also that there are three things you need to come to. Three things you need to come to the conclusion to. Or uh, there are three things you should know when you read the epistles. First of all, you need to understand that there is the finished work of Christ. 
then also there is the current work of Christ, then also there is the future work of Christ. Now, the finished work of Christ is the fabric of Christianity. Without the finished work of Christ, the current work of Christ will become impossible. Until a man is grounded in the finished work of Christ, he cannot be able to understand the current work of Christ through the Holy Spirit leading him into practical Christian living. So, we said the finished work of Christ outlines what Christ has done for you without your effort, without your work, and without your, uh, your contribution. But you see, the believer must not just remain in the finished work of Christ. Because there are so many people who are still living in the finished work of Christ and their life has been finished. But you see, we need to understand that in the epistles, there are responsibilities. There are rights and privileges. Your right is, uh, uh, the rights you have is like um, what, what you enjoy because you are a citizen or a son. But there are also uh, uh, privileges and there are also responsibilities. So you see, in the current work of Christ, it is what the Holy Spirit is doing currently in us through the word of God to mold us and shape Christ within our soul so that our life will be in conformity to the real nature we have in our spirit. So we explain that uh, though the believer is forgiven, the believer can also walk in sin. The believer can also live in sin though he's not a sinner. Are you seeing that? We said that when uh, Christ died, two things, uh, something happened. We died together with him. Our old nature, which was uh, sin, died. Our old man was crucified with him. But you see, we explained that the word flesh, first of all, means the old man. Number two, the word flesh also means self. So though your old man uh, was crucified with Christ, yourself was not crucified. You are to crucify self. So self is your ego. It's the part of you that wants to do what it pleases. It's the part of you that does not want to serve God. It's the part of you that wants to satisfy or gratify its pleasures and its lust. So you see, it's the work of the believer to allow the renewal of his mind through the word of God and the leadings of the spirit to tame his flesh to walk in the victorious Christian life. So we have said uh, that when the believer gives in or yields to his flesh, there are some, there are some behaviors that he is going to exhibit which we call the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh is not what an unbeliever exhibits. The works of the, of the flesh is what every man exhibits when he gives in to his flesh. Please listen to this. The works of the flesh are not what unbelievers exhibit. The works of the flesh are what every man has the tendency to exhibit when he gives in or yields to his flesh. So, we have explained that every kind of sin is selfish. Sin is selfishness. When a man lives the very life of Christ Jesus, he kills selfishness in his life. So, for you to know you are maturing, check how selfish you are or how selfish you are not. Praise God. So, when believers grow in maturity, it means they've come to the place of love. But that is for uh, the future of this teaching. So, we spoke about the works of the flesh. We dealt with, first of all, one of the groupings we call, um, 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 uh, we call it um, lustful sins. We call it lustful sins or sexual sins. So, we listed them. I told you that they are categorized into about four or five. So the first group 
which we call fornication, adultery, uh, lasciviousness, and uncleanness, they are grouped under one category called sexual sins. And we have explained all of them. And we have said that a believer must avoid, abstain, and run from and flee from sexual immorality or sexual practices or sexual sins or sins that makes the believer defiled in his soul. Now, we started looking at religious sins, which we looked at yesterday, last week and last two weeks and last three weeks which is the sin of idolatry and the sin of witchcraft. Last week, we looked at witchcraft. We said witchcraft is, first of all, making contact with the spirit world and making demons do things for you. It's making contact with the spirit world and making demons do things for you. Now, we explain uh, witchcraft much further by saying that witchcraft is not just flying at night witchcraft is actually a manipulative tendency it's a spirit of control it's a spirit that controls people under themselves so we said anyone that controls people against their will is walking in witchcraft praise God so we have explained that you don't need to fly to manifest the tendencies of a witch once you begin to set strife amongst brethren once you begin to set confusion in the midst of people, once when you are around, nobody should progress, you are walking in the tendencies of witchcraft. We said it's a spirit that does not want anything to progress. So, if you are in a church and you don't want the church to progress, and you do everything possible to fight the progress of the ministry, you are walking in witchcraft. Praise God. Any spirit that sets confusion, that sets strife, that manipulates people, that makes slaves out of people is witchcraft. So we have said that a pastor can watch, walk in witchcraft when he begins to control people beyond their will. A pastor can walk in witchcraft when he uses his gift to enslave the people of God. It's witchcraft. We explain that uh, anytime you don't want people to progress around you and the progress of people becomes a threat, you, you are walking in witchcraft. We have explained that. So, witchcraft is not a strange word that should make people just look at the spirit realm. No, it's a work of the flesh. So, a believer can walk in it. Now, uh, please get this. Now, when we are speaking of the works of the flesh, and you see any of them listed, never see yourself far from any of them. Please listen carefully. When we are speaking of the works of the flesh, and we list them, don't see yourself far from any of them. Don't read through and say, oh, okay, this one, I don't do it. This one I do it. This one I don't do it. So I don't I don't think it's referring to me. No. You don't do cherry picking with the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are the works or the manifestations that a believer or an unbeliever exhibits when he gives in or yields to his flesh. So once you yield to your flesh at a particular time in a particular situation, you can exhibit any of these activities. That's serious. Praise God. So, don't say, oh, as for, I mean, I don't like controlling people. You, there might be a time when those tendencies will begin to come. So, we spoke about hatred also, which is what we are continuing today. As I'm sure somebody will see the works of the flesh, hatred, and say, for me, I, I don't think I walk in hatred. You have no idea. Don't think hatred is far from you never think hatred is far from you 
once you have ever been offended before you have the greatest tendency of walking in hatred please listen to me if you have ever been offended before you have the tendency of walking in hatred so don't think hatred is something that is alien to you or something that is not consistent with your with your lifestyle or with your character or with your conduct no every believer has the tendency of walking in hatred and like i said for you to know you can walk in hatred you need to ask yourself a question have you ever been offended before there is nobody on this earth that has never been offended before and once you have been offended before you have a high tendency or capacity to walk in hatred so you need to listen to this and receive that message from yourself there are a lot of times many believers have a certain attitude when they listen to a teaching they begin to imagine the teaching for others you can see a christian listening to a teaching and say oh i wish brother sammy was around to hear this teaching we are not talking to brother sam we are speaking to you so you need to receive the teaching for yourself and stop imagining people in the teaching the teaching was not for other people the teaching is for you so when you hear something don't say oh i wish auntie rose or auntie uh, uh, cynthia was around to listen to this teaching because this teaching will really prick her very much no we are not teaching to prick people we are teaching to transform people please hear this we are not teaching to prick people's heart so you don't say oh if brother Emmanuel was here this teaching would have pricked him we are not teaching to prick we are teaching to transform are you seeing that so many believers have the mentality of teaching to prick 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 so they just think of uh, teaching choking people that's not what we are doing if you have that understanding you you are being carnal in your mind you are being carnally minded the teaching is for you to transform you so listen to it and personalize it for yourself and stop imagining people in it praise god so we were dealing with hatred now we explained that uh, once we are in this world there will be a time people will stab you in the back there, be, there will be a time people will betray you people will wrong you people will over criticize you people will manipulate you people will make you feel less of yourself people will offend you but you see we must make sure that these offenses and these pain people cause us don't de don't develop into hate praise god these things must not develop into hate it is bound to happen please you need to understand that you are not far from offense everyone at a point in time will feel cheated every time everybody at a point in time will feel unappreciated everyone at a point in time will feel stabbed in the back everybody at a point in time will feel betrayed everybody at a point in time will will feel uh, sorrowful about something another person has done to him it's bound to happen because you are living in a world of uh, different kinds of personality we have proud people around we have hateful people around we have disrespectful people around we have people who don't earn and appreciate people once we have people like that in this world with different personalities you will one day be uncomfortable uh, and be offended by the actions of another 
if you don't let this become a normal thought in your mind, things will take you by surprise. People not greeting you when they pass by should be something you should be expecting. So when someone does not greet you, it does not offend you anymore. Because little offenses grow to become big offenses and these big offenses turn into hurt and pain and resentment and bitterness and hatred and then revenge. So every believer has the tendency of walking in all these ungodly practices. You can understand your forgiveness in Christ and still walk in hatred. That is what we're speaking on the responsibility of forgiveness. There are many believers who know they are the righteousness of God in Christ. They are aware that their sins, past, present, future has been forgiven. But they are still giving in to their flesh because they have not been taught well. That you see, the understanding you have in the finished work of Christ are supposed to be an armory to fight against inward passions that fight or war against your soul. Praise God. The devil and your flesh is up to making you not walk in the will of God. So it's a battle. Once you are in this world, the devil, through the agency of your flesh and your lust and your passions, is going to do everything possible to make you not walk in God's will. So for you to walk in God's will, it must be a fight. Please, understand this. The devil does not want you to walk in God's will. And you have to also walk in God's will. So definitely, there's going to be a conflict. There's going to be a fight. And you must make sure you fight to win. You don't win in yourself and by yourself. You win in Christ and through Christ and by Christ. Because the Bible says, thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in Christ. The Bible says, giving thanks to God who has given us victory. So our victory is in Christ. So we must always rest in Christ and find our armory and our weaponry in Christ Jesus to fight against lustful desires and characters that are exhibited through the agency of the flesh. So every believer has the tendency of walking in hatred. Now, we, I explain a certain sequence to you of how hatred develops. No hatred begins as hatred. Please follow no hatred begins as hatred every hatred that comes begins with an offense we have explained that hatred means an extreme dislike for another person usually after they have hurt us so hatred is an abhorrence you begin to abhor people and things because of what they cost you Hatred is a strong resentment in your heart which you develop for another because the person hurt you. But you see, hatred first begins with offense. It is when you are offended that the offense brings hurt when meditated. So you see, you meditate offense into hurt. And you meditate your hurt to become hatred then you meditate your hatred to become bitter then you meditate on your bitterness to have unforgiveness and you meditate on your unforgiveness to become revengeful and you meditate and practice your revenge to destroy yourself so like I said offense begins then offense graduates gradually into hurt and pain 
then hate and pain graduates into hatred. Hatred graduates into bitterness. And bitterness graduates into um, revenge, into unforgiveness. And unforgiveness graduates into revenge. And revenge graduates into destruction. Praise God. So, they are so much linked together. So, I told you last week that resentment, hatred, and bitterness are, are all friends. Unforgiveness, uh, bitterness, and hatred, they are like triplets. They move together. Wherever you find hatred, you will always find bitterness. Wherever you find bitterness, you will always find resentment. Wherever you find resentment, you will always have unforgiveness around and like i said never think this is far from you no it begins with an offense once you have the tendency to be offended and once you have been offended before you can give in to hatred there are many of you who are walking in resentment in your heart against another person without knowing it happens so let's look at bitterness we look at some scriptures let's go through again first john chapter 4 the verse 20 quickly first john chapter 4 the verse 20 first john 4 20 all right there let's read he says if a man say i love god and hate his brother he is a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen how can he love god whom he hath not seen that's serious. And the verse 21 says, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, loveth his brother also. Now, the Bible is telling us, a believer who says he loves God and hates his brother, is a liar. Why? Because if you love God, whom you have not seen, and hate your brother, whom you have seen, or you see, that's hypocrisy. Now, you know what this tells us? Loving God is loving men. Please follow this. Loving God is loving men. That is what the Bible is teaching. You cannot love God or claim you love God without loving men. Because men who are in the image of God, when you find it difficult to love them, you cannot prove that you love God. So, see, loving God is not a confession loving God is a practice let me repeat that again loving God is not a confession loving God is a practice so you don't say oh Lord I love you there's nothing wrong with saying that but if you say that without loving man you are a hypocrite and a liar that's what the Bible teaches so you cannot say oh lord i love you it's not a confession it's a practice and how do you practice that you practice that by loving men for whom god died for are you seeing that so the practical expression of your love for god is your love for men whom god died for the practical expression of your love for god is your love for men who god died for so if you have if you have a hatred and bitterness in your heart against a man Jesus died for and you claim you love God, you are a great hypocrite. L listen, anybody who has ever offended you, 
you need to start to imagine that Jesus died for that person. And if Jesus died for that person, it means Jesus loves that person. So, when you transmit or you emit hatred or you uh, extend hatred to that person and you are unforgiven about that person or you are resented about that person and you keep allowing the resentment to grow, you are proving to Jesus that you don't actually love him. Are you seeing that? To prove to God that you love him, you love men for whom he died for. Very important. So important. Now, look at John chapter 2. First John. First John chapter 2. Look at the verse 10. Or let's look at the verse 9. Look at the verse 9. He says, He that said he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness even until now. The verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. And he that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. In other words, when a believer walks in resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, revengefulness, or hatred towards another believer or towards another man, that person, the Bible says, he walks in darkness and he is blinded by that darkness. No wonder hatred is destruction. Hatred breeds destruction. You know why? Because hatred is darkness and blindness. Anyone who allows hatred to control his life is blind and walking in darkness. Too important. Anyone that walks in love towards another brethren is walking in light. To walk in love is to walk in light. To walk in hatred is to walk in darkness and blindness. We are going to see. We are going to let you understand that if you love those who love you back, it is not Christian. Please follow this. If you love those who love you back, it is not Christianity. Loving those who love you back is not Christianity. Loving those who don't deserve it is Christianity. Why? Because it is founded on the love of God. The reason why God's love is unconditional is because he does not wait for the other party to love back. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. In other words, while we did not love God, while we were in the process of sinning, while we were enjoying sin, while we were making mockery of God, while we were saying there is no God, while we were insulting God, while we were mock making mockery of God in our hearts and in our lips, the Bible says God loved us by dying through Christ. While we were just sinners, Christ died for us. For scarcely will a righteous man will one die for but God, God commended his love toward us in, in that while we were yet sinners Christ died so if you love those who love you it's not the love of God please follow this if you love those who love you it is not the love of God the love of God loves the unlovable the love of God extends forgiveness to those who don't deserve to be forgiven now this is the Christian life now we are going to look at more scriptures but look at John chapter 3 the verse 15 1st John sorry 1st John chapter 3 the verse 15 now now look at this oh thank you Jesus 
Look, whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Now, this should now this should sink in your heart. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. You know why? Hatred produces murder. So, when you begin to develop hatred, resentment, strong, extreme dislike in your heart for someone, it is equated to murder because you have already done it. Once you develop hatred, you can kill. So, the Bible says whoever hated his brother is a murderer. It's a word. He's a murderer. Now, you see, Offense is, is, is something that is so serious before God that even Jesus had to say something. He said, if you have something, if you have a grudge or a quarrel with a brother and you are about to give an offering to God, he says, drop the offering. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says, drop the offering and go and make up with your brother. Then come back and take your offering and give your offering. Now, that is even telling you that you see resentment and grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness affects worship giving is an expression of worship so if God tells a man who has a grudge or has an offense against a man to drop his offering and go and make up before he comes to um, give his offering to the altar that tells you that offering that hatred, bitterness, resentment and unforgiveness affects our worship it affects our worship. I mean, we have believers who can develop unforgiveness and bitterness and for a whole year and they are giving offerings to God. Giving praises to God. And sometimes they don't even listen to themselves. You hear believers singing, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. But guess what? He hasn't given himself away. He's bitter. Because of his father. He's bitter because of his mother. He's bitter because of his sibling. He's bitter because of his uncle. He's bitter. And he says, I give myself away. He says, I surrender all. Yet he surrenders nothing. Oh, yet he gives nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we need to understand this that hatred is not necessarily wrong. Listen to me carefully. But hatred must be channeled rightly. Hatred is not necessarily wrong. But hatred must be channeled rightly. Please, please, please catch this. 
hatred must be channeled rightly in the bible the bible speaks of godly hatred and anytime godly hatred is mentioned it is related towards sin so our hatred is not against people our hatred is against sin several times in the bible we are told to hate it now look at this scripture um hebrews chapter 1 the verse 9 whether hebrews or hebrews or is still a, a brew hallelujah hebrews chapter 1 the verse 9 hebrews 1 9 thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity are you seeing that so hatred in itself is not wrong it is where it is channeled towards that is where it becomes sin so we are told to hate in the bible but our hatred is towards evil and sin it says thou hast loved righteousness and hated sin so our hatred is to be channeled towards evil and sin we are to hate sin unfortunately many Christians hate people and love sin it's the opposite now look at the next verse um, Proverbs chapter 8 the verse 13 Proverbs 8 the verse 13 look he says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So, the proof that you fear God is that you hate evil. The proof or the evidence that you fear God, that means the proof or the evidence that you love God or you honor and respect God highly is that you hate you hate uh, 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 evil. You know, there are many Christians who say, I fear God, Lord. I honor you, Lord. I fear you, Lord. I respect you, Lord. It is not in lifting of hands. It's in an act. You prove that you love, you fear God by hating evil. It's simple. So, our hatred is channeled towards sin. So, anytime your hatred is begin to channel towards people, resentment, bitterness is revealed and offense is revealed towards people you are channeling your hatred wrongly you are channeling your hatred with wrong energy let's look at some more scriptures um, Psalm 97 the verse 10 Psalm 97 the verse 10 Psalm 97, the verse 10. Good. He says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Oh, look at that. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. In other words, to demonstrate your love for God is to hate evil. So you, if you want to prove to God that you love him, you hate evil. Praise God. So, the believer gets to a place where he loves the Lord so much that the evil becomes detestable to him because you see when you fear God it means you love God so much that you begin to hate what he hates and love what he loves it's that simple to love God means you, you love what he loves and you hate what he hates let's, let's look at the more, some more scriptures 
Psalm 119 verse 163. Psalm 119 verse 163. Psalm 119 verse 163. Thank you Jesus. Now look at that. He says, I hate and abhor lying, but thy Lord do I love. The word Lord also means word or instruction. So he says, I hate and abhor lying. Are you seeing that? So your hatred is towards wrong acts or actions that don't please God. Praise God. Look at Romans chapter 12, the verse 9. Romans 12, 9. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Romans 12, 9. Now I read. He says, let love be be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation means hypocrisy. So your love should not be in hypocrisy. Don't be smiling with people you don't love. There are many of Christians who express love in hypocrisy. But the Bible tells us, abhor or hate that which is evil. Hate that which is evil. So hatred must be rightly channeled. It's supposed to be channeled towards wrongdoing, sin, evil, and uh, that which does not glorify God. So the moment we channel it towards people, we, we, we sin against God. Hallelujah. So what is, now quickly, let me just share something on bitterness. On bitterness. Thank you, Lord. Now, what is bitterness? Bitterness is from the Greek word pikria. Pikria. P-I-K-R-I-A. Pikria. Now, the word bitterness means acridity. Acridity. Now, the word acridity means poison or an acid. It means an acridity. It means poison or an acid. Now, let's continue. It means extreme wickedness. Bitterness also means a bitter root and so producing a bitter fruit. In other words, every bitter root will produce a bitter fruit. If you sow bitterness, you will produce bitterness. If you are rooted in bitterness, you will produce the fruit of bitterness. Now, bitterness also means bitter hatred. So you see, hatred and bitterness move together. Hatred and bitterness move together. So bitterness means bitter hatred. It also means pungent. P-U-N-G-E-N-T. P-U-N-G-E-N-T. It means pungent. Now, what is pungent? Pungent is something that is very painful or pricking or piercing through the heart and so so bitterness is a pungent which is something that is very painful which pricks or pierces deep down within your soul and your heart that's bitterness it's pain that has entered into your heart and your soul so when offense is not well handled offense becomes hate and hate becomes hatred and hatred becomes bitterness so you see it goes deeper and deeper and deeper it grows bitterness is pain that 
penetrates or breaks down into the heart and into the soul. And guess what? Bitterness, like we said, is acridity. Acridity is poison. In other words, when a believer allows offense to grow into bitterness, he has actually released poison in his heart. Please, you need to listen to this. Bitterness is acid and poison. Wherever acid is, it corrodes. Acid deteriorates, it corrodes and it destroys. Bitterness is compared to acid and poison. Poison is that which reacts to the system in a man's body. When your body reacts negatively to something you take, that thing is poison. Bitterness is something your, your new creation life reacts to. It is not consistent with your life. That is how come, listen, when an offense is beginning to grow into pain, you have to cry to God to heal your heart and walk in obedience of God's word by loving that person. It's not going to be that easy. Sometimes you have to cry to walk in love. You have to cry to God to take away pain from your heart. Because when you keep the pain growing, what is going to happen is that it's going to be an acid that will begin to corrode and poison you gradually. I don't know if somebody watching me has heard of slow poisoned. Slow poison begins to kill you slowly. That is how bitterness is. Bitterness is slow poison. You get to a, a place where you hate people to an extent that you just don't want to see them. You wish something evil has happened to them. You just wish they never went well. In fact, there are sometimes people become bitter when they see the progress of their own friend or their own brother. They are just bitter and they pray something bad should happen to that person. You are walking in hatred and bitterness. And if you don't ask God, listen, sometimes, listen, sometimes some of the things comes beyond your control. It's like your flesh wants to take over, but you must deal with it and fight it. And anytime it becomes more difficult, you go to God and say, God, I'm becoming, I'm becoming resentful in my heart. Listen, Jesus is a brother. He's a brother. You can talk to him. The Holy Spirit is a helper. You can talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you. It's real. You have no idea. You kneel and cry to the Lord and ask him to heal your heart. There are times you get to a place where you feel there are people who, you, who, who, who don't deserve to be where they are and you deserve it. And it can become a canker. It makes you bitter. That why should they be rich? Why should they buy a car when you have not bought a car? Why should they build a house? Why should they have a job when you have served God and you don't have a job? Why should they have what they have? It can make you bitter. You are offended that people are progressing. You are offended that people are getting married around you and you are not getting married. You become bitter in your heart. And sometimes, mind you, you can become bitter without any known cause. You are just bitter. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people are walking in bitterness yet they don't know. It's so silent and it's killing them. So silent. Bitterness is an acridity. It's a poison. It begins to kill you softly. As it grows. 
And in the Bible, there were people who were destroyed. And there were people who were, uh, who lost their lives because of this I'm teaching. There are people in the Bible who allowed bitterness to control their lives. And there are people also who did not allow bitterness to control their lives. I remember the other day of a man called Absalom. Absalom had a, a, a half-brother whose name was Amnon. Amnon. He was a brother to Absalom. They were both children of David, but different mothers. And Absalom had a sister called Tamar. And one day, Amnon began to have lustful desires for, for his own sister. And pretended as if he was sick. And asked the sister to prepare food and bring it into her chambers. And her sister brought the food into the chambers. And unfortunately, he raped the sister against her will. And sacked her. And the information got to Absalom. Unfortunately, David did not say anything about it. David did not deal with it. David did not confront Amnon. And you know, sometimes unresolved conflicts can produce bitterness. That is why it is very advisable that when something goes on that is not resolved, make sure you confront it quickly. Because if you don't confront it, you begin to grow something else in your life. Every pastor must learn to confront people. Every, every believer must learn to confront. If you know it's going to hurt you, you better confront it. Biblically. Confront it biblically and spiritually. David did not do anything about it. Not knowing Absalom, the sister of, the brother of Tamar, was offended. And Absalom began to meditate on the offense. And the offense grew into pain. And the pain, when he began to meditate it, he began to now get hatred in his heart towards his brother. His own brother. Don't forget. His own brother. And that pain, which became hatred, as he meditated on hatred, fellowship with hatred, and revealed his hatred towards Amnon, he became bitter. And that bitter, bitterness became unforgiveness because he did not forgive his brother. And that unforgiveness became revenge. And guess what? He kept this revenge in his heart for years. Remember, it began with an offense. He was offended that his brother raped his sister. And it was not handled. And Absalom waited patiently and created an idea to kill his brother. You see, when you allow and harbor bitterness to reign, bitterness and revenge can make you creative in evil. You become, you become skillful in creating evil. And he, he made a party to celebrate and asked them to invite Amnon. Amnon. And Amnon came for the party. He got drunk and as they were making merry, Absalom murdered his brother in cold blood by his own hands. He killed his brother, Amnon. Not only that, that foundation of offense also admitted to his own father. He was bitter because under the law, when somebody raped somebody, it, the person was supposed to be punished. And David did not. So Absalom be, became also bitter about David and now began to rebel against David. 
he almost took David's kingdom. He slept with David, David's wives publicly. And guess what? This is serious. He joined one powerful man. One very powerful man whose name was called Ahitophel. I know many of you have heard his name. But some of you don't like reading the Old Testament. So you don't know any Bible story there. Except Cain and Abel. You have to repent. His name is called Ahitophel. In fact, it was recorded in the Bible that when Ahitophel gives you a counsel, it's as though God himself has given you counsel. And Ahitophel joined Absalom to fight against David. That's serious. If Ahitophel was in a time today and he was in a particular country, that country cannot lose war, even if there are five. He had so much wisdom that when he gave you counsel, it's as though God was giving you counsel. They believed that when he gives you counsel, when God comes on earth, he also gives you that same counsel. And Ahitophel went to join Absalom and you see as I read the Bible I was wondering why did Ahitophel who was a friend a second right hand man to David how come Ahitophel who was a right hand man to David go join himself to this small ragamuffin rascal called Absalom and through study I came to see something do you remember that there was one time there was a woman called Bathsheba who was having a bath publicly and David was taking a walk on the rooftop of his house and saw the nakedness of the woman of the woman and his lust began to grow. He called for the woman to come, slept with the woman and impregnated the woman and killed the husband. Do you remember that story? Guess what? Ahitophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. Bathsheba's grandfather was Ahitophel. So Ahitophel was also offended that I am your right hand man. I have given you counsel. You have many wives. You took my granddaughter, slept with her, impregnated her, and killed the husband. No. I won't forgive you. Ahitophel also got offended and Ahitophel said for what you have done to my granddaughter Bathsheba you pay for it. His own right hand man. So two bitter people, two offended people, two, two haters met. You see when you allow bitterness to dominate your life your friends will now be people who are bitter. You be, you, you, it's like <laughs> magnetic field when you walk in bitterness, when you walk in resentment, when you walk in unforgiveness, you soon begin to attract people of that nature. Soon all the people around you are the same. Bitter people. You, you quickly attract each other. So two bitter people met to come fight against David. But unfortunately, David was in God's plan. And anybody that fights God's plan will be fought by God. Because it was through David that the Messiah was going to come out. So unfortunately, they could not win and both of them died. 
But what am I saying? When offense grows, it can completely destroy your life. Please, offense is a very serious matter here. Very serious matter. In the Bible, so many people fell because of offense. And there were people also who overcame offense and hatred and bitterness. And they, today, they have made it. They made it in the Bible. And today, we can use them for practical examples. One of them is Joseph. Please, the Bible tells us those things written in the Old Testament or in the scriptures were written for our learning. You know, sometimes we discard these Bible stories and we are like, we are in the New Testament. We are supposed to study the teaching of grace and the pieces. Listen, listen. If you are saying that you are not wise. The Bible instructs us that what happened, the Bible tells us to follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. So we are told to understand their pitfalls, their weaknesses, their strengths and their successes so that we walk in that same footsteps and then have success. So all the mistakes they did is now a case study for you so you don't make the same mistakes. If you're looking for example of sexual immorality, you can look at something and David and advise yourself. If you want to look at hatred and resentment, you look at Absalom and Ahithophel and advise yourself. They become practical examples of what destroyed people who walked in it. Joseph was a practical example of someone who should who should listen who should have walked in hatred he was betrayed by his own brethren his own brothers betrayed him in fact they even plotted to kill him and he was aware they wanted to kill him his own brothers sold him for 20 pieces of silver that's the price for a slave they sold their own brother as a slave don't you think Joseph whilst, whilst he was in a pit being prepared to be sold tendencies to be bitter came to his heart yes everybody whether you are born again or not there are tendencies for you to be bitter there are tendencies for you to be offended so don't think offense is far from you no your boss can offend you when there is promotion due you and he gives your promotion to another yes it can offend you and soon your offense will become bitterness and hatred against your boss my, you might still be smiling with him but in your heart you have a strong intense dislike and abhorrence and resentment against him and you claim it's not hatred it is you don't begin to wish he's sick it is hatred that is growing softly it's growing Joseph was betrayed Joseph was sold even in Potiphar's house you can imagine he was accused falsely for, for making an attempt to sleep with Potiphar's wife when it was not so. And he was put in prison, in prison wrongly. And in prison, he helped one man by interpreting his dream. And this man was set free to go and serve Pharaoh. And guess what? He told this man before he go, when you go, remember me. And the man forgot about him. So look, Joseph was betrayed. He was stabbed in the back. He was sold. That means he was treated cheaply. He was falsely accused. Not only that, he was forgotten by the man he helped. Listen, many Christians are falling in this category and they couldn't survive. But yet, Joseph fell in all these categories. Some of you are falling just in one. You were betrayed. You were treated cheaply. You were stabbed in the back. 
You were falsely accused and you were forgotten by those you helped. There are pastors today who have allowed thoughts of hatred and bitterness to ruin their lives. Oh yes, as a pastor, there are times you help people and these same people turn their backs against you. As a pastor, yes, you help people and these same people forget you without even helping you, not even provisions to survive. And sometimes thoughts come to be offended. Yes, I have thoughts like that. I have thoughts like that. If you don't have thoughts like that, then you are not human. Thoughts like that come. But you don't allow them to grow. Joseph could have been Peter. Hated all his brethren. Disciplined all his brethren. Killed all his brethren. Revenged against all his brethren. And guess what? This guy became prime minister and he, he saved the whole land of Egypt from hunger. And guess what? These same brothers who betrayed him came to him for food. Maybe someone betrayed you. If the person comes back again to ask you for something, will you receive the person? If the same person who betrayed you, the same person who treated you like you are crap, the same person who sold you out, the same person who stabbed you in the back, the same person, the same person who falsely accused you, the same person who forgot you after all the things you did for this person, and this same person comes back to you to ask you for something, to beg you for something, to apologize to you, to, to seek something from you. How will you treat this person? Joseph must teach you. Joseph must teach you. Joseph received them. He was not bitter. He wept. Yes, he wept. He wept. And sometimes it's, it's good to weep. Because it helps in your weeping, in your healing process. Because sometimes recovering from hurt and pain is not easy. But you must recover. They don't say, it was too hurtful that I can't forgive him. <laughs> if you really know what happened, if you know what it did to me, see, I understand. But it's for your own good. It's for your own good. It's for your heart. It's for your heart. Joseph should have been bitter. He should have been bitter. Yeah. He should have, he should have harbored revenge in his heart to revenge all his brothers. And we would have called uh, Joseph Avenger. He would have been part of the Avengers. I don't know which name we would have called him. Whether Captain America or Spider-Man or uh, uh, Iron Man. Iron Joseph. Avenger. Coming to avenge his brothers. Brethren, I don't know who has offended you. I don't know who has made you bitter. It could be a relative. But listen to me. Look at Joseph and learn his example. He gave food to his own brethren who betrayed him. Yeah. Not only food. He welcomed them in the land of Egypt and gave them a place called Goshen. And that was where they dwelt. And you know what he said to them? He says, you meant it for evil, but the Lord meant it for good. And you must say today in the New Testament, all things we know work out together for good to them that love God, to them that work according to his plans and purposes. So everything that was done to you was working together for your good to make you a better person. Your boss made you a better person by causing you that pain. 
Yeah. If Joseph brothers did not do this for him, they would have all died in hunger. There are sometimes it was it was an offense that was caused you that made you think to start that business. Until that man evicted you from that shop, you didn't know you could have had a bigger shop. I know a man who was working in a shop. He worked there for many years. And one day, the landlord said, leave, leave, leave the house. Without any explanation, nothing. He says, if you want to increase it, I will pay. The man says, leave. The moment he left, in less than a month, he had a bigger shop at a cheaper price. Where he was? More. It was much cheaper. Imagine this man was bitter and he says he won't work again. Imagine this man was bitter and he says that he, he will not progress again. He will stay at home because this man has spoiled my career. This man has stopped my job. He has denied me of my daily bread. There are many people who are now sitting handicapped, handcuffed because people made them bitter. Listen, let the bitterness people cause you make you a better person. Don't remain in bitterness. Your boss was used to make you better. Just like Joseph, Joseph's brothers were used to make him be better. There are sometimes God allows these things to happen in your life so that you can think. God sometimes allows people like that to be around you so that you can pray. So that you, you can come to maturity. So that you can be forced out of your comfort zone. So that you can read that book. So that you can take that note and go through it. So that you can listen to that teaching and make you more spiritual. Yeah, so that he can make you the billionaire he has decided to make you for the kingdom's sake. So you don't stay in bitterness because you asked your uncle for school fees and your uncle did not give it to you. Well, well, he's not responsible for taking care of you. So don't be offended. I had to convince myself that I am my responsibility in Christ. And my responsibility is God's. God is responsible for my life. No man is responsible for my life. So you don't get offended because your uncle did not buy that laptop for you. Why should you be offended? Remove that and, and brush it off and say, thank God, I'm going to buy three laptops and buy one for his children. That's what you say. I'm going to buy three laptops and buy one for his children. Yeah. He didn't pay my school fees. Oh, no, no problem. God, God is responsible for me. If he closed that door, if your uncle closed that door, God is opening another door because he lost the opportunity to be a blessing to your life. You don't get bitter. A lot of Christians are bitter with their uncles. They are bitter with their, with their aunties because they say their auntie is rich but he does not help anybody. You don't need their help. If they decide not to help you, you don't need their help. Listen to me carefully. If your auntie or uncle is rich and, and you, you expect help and they don't give you help, let them go. Have you forgotten the Holy Ghost is your helper? It didn't happen because you are soon gradually shifting your helper to a human being who can die today. You don't allow the, the, the pain people cause you to manipulate your life. And today, you have become bitter. Why? Why didn't I prosper? Because there was nobody to help me. Shame on you. Shame on you. When I needed help, nobody helped me. If you started doing something for yourself, somebody would have identified you. 
if you started doing something for yourself by ripping yourself of that hatred, something great would have happened. Make a move and stop staying in bitterness and anger. Make a move. Imagine these four lepers. If these four lepers were bitter that we don't have hands, our hands is dysfunctional and we are quarter, we, we can't eat, we are there and we are bitter and angry. Yet these people said, why sit, why sit he, we here till we die? Let's move and go and look for food. If we perish, we perish. And the four lepers moved. And as they moved, the Bible says their feet became like giants who were coming to the land of Philistines. And when the Philistines heard the feet of four lepers, the Lord made their feet become the sound of giants coming to attack them. And all the Philistines left the camp and left all their food and their gold and their silver and four lepers because they made a move. And they were not offended. They were not bitter because they were helpless. They had food and clothing and minerals and gold for an entire nation of Israel. They fulfilled the prophecy Elijah gave that tomorrow by this time four lepers were used to fulfill it. Listen, the prophecy upon your life cannot be fulfilled by a man. So stop depending on men and stop getting bitter with men because they could not help you. Your boss did not give you promotion because you are bitter. Further your education until you get to a place where you become indispensable. Another company will call you with better um, um, benefits than what the boss did. If the boss did not deny you promotion, you wouldn't have pursued your masters. So stop feeding on bitterness. They make you static and stagnant, stagnant and they destroy you with poison and acid in your heart. They begin to deteriorate you. There are many believers who are staying at where they are today because they are wallowing in hatred, wallowing in bitterness and offense. You need to understand that when you walk in hatred, it is you that loses. When you walk in hatred, it is you that loses. Nobody loses. You lose. It affects your spiritual life. Anytime you are praying and you remember the hurt, your heart becomes heavy and your heart becomes so painful. Then it begins to affect your prayer life. Now you channel your thoughts from God to the thing that hurt you or to the person that hurt you and you begin to destroy your prayer life. As you are studying the Bible, you begin to think of and imagine all the people that hurt you. Then now you close your Bible. You know why? You can't stand it again. It is killing you. It's an acid. It is deteriorating your life. It's poison. It is gradually killing you. Oh yes. Oh yes. Little offenses grow. That is how come if you don't deal with that little offense, it will grow to become something else. If you want, see, if you, if you want somebody who should be beat, bitter, it's Joseph. If you want someone who should be bitter, it was Jesus. The same people Jesus came to save were the same people who crucified him. But the Bible says, had they known, they would not have crucified the law of glory. They did not know that, that what they did to Jesus was going to end up in saving the whole world. Listen, the people who caused you pain did not know that the pain they caused you is, is to benefit even them. If Jesus was bitter, and imagine, they put Jesus on the, on the wood and the people is coming to save. Look at the whips. 40 minus 1. And they give him up. Oh, Charlie. What day? Imagine if Jesus did that, will you be saved? And Jesus endured it. 
He endured it. He was mistreated by the people he saved. The same people that fed him. The same people that he fed. The same people he healed were the same people who were shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Sometimes the same people you helped help are the same people who shout, crucify you. Crucify him. They are the same people who stab you in the back when you are in trouble and when you need their help. Yeah, they are the same people. It's part of life. Don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Remove them from your heart. Free your heart and move on. And Jesus Christ, despite all this hatred, Jesus Christ looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. Remember, Jesus on the cross was not talking as God because he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when Jesus said, forgive them, Jesus was speaking as a man. Remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me. That's a man talking. He was scared. So, despite what they did, you don't say Jesus was a superman. Jesus was not a superman. He was an ordinary man who knew his purpose. He came to earth as an ordinary man, though he was God, to fulfill his purpose. So Jesus could have chosen not to die. Yes. Because he said, nevertheless, not my will. That means if Jesus had his own will, he wouldn't have died. He says, but your will, O God. And this same Jesus, as he hung on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Did you know that Stephen also practiced the same thing Jesus did? And Stephen, after preaching, was also caught and stoned. And when he was dying, Stephen said, Father, do not count this sin against them. Imagine if Stephen was bitter that they were stoning him. He says, do not count this sin against them. Don't count it against them. Stephen learned from Jesus. Can you learn from Jesus? To release people from your hearts. To let people go. Without getting bitter about them. Or whatever they've done for you. That man that raped you when you were just a child. Can you let him go? I know it's difficult. But let him go. Let him go. Let him face himself. And leave revenge for the Lord. Esau lost his birthright to Jacob. Oh, Esau, it was painful because he was looking for his brother to kill him. And Jacob had to run. But after years, this guy let it go and moved on. Do you know, after some time when they met, Jacob thought Esau was going to kill him. So he took his wives to take the lead so that when he sees his wives, he will spare them. And he took so many gifts to go and compensate his brother for taking his birthright and his blessing from him. And when he took all the things, Esau said, hey, I don't need all these things. I've also made it. I have about 300 men who are serving me. I've made it in life. I'm prosperous. I don't need your gifts. Now Jacob had to even force it on him before he took it. Listen, imagine if Esau was bitter. Do you know, after many years, he would have still remained where he was. Listen, anger, uh, uh, resentment, bitterness, hurt, offense keeps you where you are. It keeps you where you are. Let it go. Esau let it go and he progressed. He had more than he could carry and he rejected the gifts that Jacob gave to him to compensate him. And he forgave him. He told him, I don't have anything against you. Can you learn from Esau? Learn from Esau. 
Follow Esau's example. Follow Joseph's example. Yeah. Follow that example. It has been even discovered by scientists that high blood pressure, stomach ulcer, and um, um, hypertension and um, heart diseases emerge from bitterness and hatred. So, when you harbor bitterness for long, there are people who are keeping bitterness for 20 years. They are bitter. They hate, they have been hating people. They have resented people in their heart for more than eight years. How do you do this and still remain a Christian? How do you do this? There are some who are angry with their own sibling. After 50 years, they are 72 years and they are still bitter. They are 60 years. They are still bitter with their own sibling, their own cousin. They are bitter. They are bitter. Yet, Jacob and Esau, after many years, they made up and they came back together. Even if it was uh, the, uh, the person's fault, make up. Don't hold grudges. That's canal. Don't hold grudges. It's canal. I didn't say you, you, will, you will never lose relationships. There are relationships you will lose whether you like it or not. But when you lose that relationship, it shouldn't be bitterness. Make it in such a way that anytime they come, you are still hoping for them. You need to understand this, please, as I close. As I close, please understand this. Offense is the key that opens the door for hatred and bitterness. It's the first thing. So, how you deal with offense quickly is what proves how you're going to deal with hatred. Let's read the scripture before we move. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, the verse 17. He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. So, we don't recompense evil for evil. And look, he says, provide on, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Look at verse 18. If it is possible, as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, a vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he test, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Look at verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The verse 31. Ephesians 4.31. Quickly, let's get there. Look. He says, let all bitterness. Are you seeing that? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word put away is a word used for divorce. When there's sometimes the Bible uses an only an old English for divorce by saying put the woman away. It means to divorce. The Bible is saying divorce bitterness. 
If bitterness marries you, you are in trouble. If hatred, if anger, if resentment, if unforgiveness marries you, you are in trouble. So he says, let all bitterness be divorced from amongst you. Divorce bitterness. You have to divorce it. Divorce it. Look at Luke. Luke chapter 6 from 27. Luke 6, 27. Look. Look, he says, But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Look, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. This is telling you about a Christian life, okay? Now, look at the verse 28. He says, Bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. It's telling you that people who seem to be enemies must be loved. And people who seem to have cursed you should be loved. And people who despitefully use you should be prayed for. You pray for people who use you. Look at the verse 29. And to him that smited thee on one cheek, after also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take also thy coat also. Look at the verse 30. Give every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods and asketh of the gold. Come to the verse 31. And as you would that all men should do to you, okay, come to the verse 32. Look, it says, If ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love them that love you. I told you, if you love people who love you back the same way, it is not Christianity. It's a worldly practice. He says sinners or unbelievers also practice the same. If you love me, I must love you back. It's a normal life. There is nothing divine about it. Look at the next verse. He says, and if you do good to them that do good to you, what tongue have you? For sinners also do the same. And if you learn to whom you hope to receive, what time have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain? Look at the verse 35. He says, But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. He's saying God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. He says, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. So when a believer um, does the opposite of hatred and bitterness, he's behaving like his father, like father, like son. So if you do good to them that do good to you, I mean, he says, worldly people do say and this is going on in churches. There are church members who are uh, ushers and church members who are angry because somebody passed by without greeting them. Who are you to be angry? Just because of greeting, you have developed bitterness in your heart against another church member. That's carnal. And this girl is too the who does she think she is? How can you pass without greeting me? Who are you? Who are you? For us to greet you. You see, you see, people who are easily offended most of the time they, they are proud people who are easily offended most of the time are proud people they are full of themselves they are too alive 
So it's about their ego. They are little, little useless offenses. He did not greet me in church. He passed by me without saying hello. Do you know what he was thinking? Maybe the guy passing is even, he has not eaten for the past three days. You think he'll look at you? So you think everything is about you? So selfish. Everybody must look at you. Everybody must pay attention to you. He did not greet me. He did not uh, say I'm looking at. He did not. Carnality. Carnality. Uh, pastors who get offended because they did not mention their title. He is called apostle and they call him pastor. He is angry because he was reduced from apostle to pastor. He is called doctor. Doctor Isaac Lapapo. And they make a mistake and they said brother Isaac. Hey! Kala. So, so Kalabi. He's angry. From doctor, reverend doctor, and they called him brother Isaac. He's angry. It is carnality of the highest order. So people are offended because uh, they, were, uh, they, were, they were wrongly addressed. You can imagine Jesus in Acts chapter 9. When he struck Paul with the light and Paul asked him, Lord, who are you? I thought Jesus was coming to say, I am the Lord Jesus, the Christ, your savior, the one and only redeemer, the one who you are going to be accountable to me, the one who created the heavens and the earth. For by all things, I made them. I created the invisible and the visible and Jesus will be giving him raps. Jesus said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you persecute. <laughs> when I read that scripture, I'm no longer fascinated with title again. Call me brother Isaac. I won't be offended. Pastor Isaac, Reverend Isaac, Isaac, I have trained myself. It is difficult. When you go, when you see a pastor's face and you call him Ike, Ike, I'm not Ike. I'm not Ike. They're angry. Your own mate called you Isaac. You are angry. It's painful. Quickly, quickly delete it and move on. There are people who despitefully use you. They will not honor you. You are not looking for honor from men. There are pastors who are bitter because they were not well addressed. There are pastors who were bitter because they went for a program and they were sitting at the back seat and they did not tell them to come to the front seat and they are bitter with the other pastor. They were expecting that they called their name. Oh, Reverend Dr. Isaac Lapapo is in. Let's, with a, with a standing ovation, let's bring him to the front, please. Also, let's carry him, carry him. Then, you know, a whole team is carrying him. Then you feel a uh, boss whoever, uh, you know. Listen, it is nice when it's done. When it is not done, don't allow those things to enter your heart. I know how it feels. As a pastor, it is embarrassing. But listen, don't let your heart be in titles. It can kill you. It can kill you. It can kill you. There are so many bitter people all over. Bitter people, bitter pastors, bitter Christians. See, a bitter pastor is a dangerous pastor. A bitter member is a is a bitter uh, it will cause troubles in church. A bitter member is a dangerous member. A bitter pastor is a dangerous pastor. He will destroy the people God has given to him because all his teachings will proceed from bitterness. There are young pastors today who are offended with their head pastor and there are pastors today who are offended with their members. Yeah. Offended. 
offended. Offense everywhere. Offense everywhere you go. Offense. Everybody's offended. Many Christians are easily offended. You hear a Christian who is offended because he says pastor was preaching against him. The pastor prepared the teaching to bring him down. Who are you? Of course, there are are fleshly pastors also who make fleshly messages without any um, spiritual connotation. They just want to bring people down. Or they're just targeting one member. But the truth of the matter is that if a pastor preaches a message that gets to you, where did you expect the message to go? Where did you expect the message to go? He said he's preaching about me. Who should we preach about? I told you all the epistles you are reading today. It was an information the apostles had that was going on that they addressed which became an epistle you are reading. So if a pastor is preaching something he has heard in the ministry which is ungodly, don't say he's preaching about you. There are many members who are offended with their pastors because they said their pastor is deliberately preaching about them. Please. Please be careful. I know some ministers can be fleshly about it. But you see, when it, you are, we are preaching, it is to get you better. I mean, how? Out of thousand members, you are the only person the pastor was preaching about. So because of you, we should not preach about sin. Because of you, we should not preach about envy. Because of you, we should not preach about gossiping. Why? Why? And there are members who are offended. I tell people, listen, I spend time to pray over my teachings before I come to teach. If there's something that does not go on well, the Spirit of God will rebuke me and tell me. If I'm being fleshly about my teaching, the Lord will rebuke me and speak to me. So, anytime I pray, the Lord leads me to communicate things that locates each and every member to bring them transformation. So, when a word gets to your heart, that must change you. The devil can interpret it as that the pastor is preaching against you. And you say, ah, he's preaching about me. I won't listen again. You see, you were just caught there. The word of God does not just come to excite you. It comes to rebuke you also. It comes to rebuke you. All scripture is given that by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. So the word of God must bring you correction. It must rebuke you. It must reform you. So you don't get offended when a pastor is preaching and say he's preaching about me. I, I have told you, I will never, I will never pick up one member to preach against. So anytime you hear me preaching about something that gets to you, it means God wants you to transform. He wants you to transform. Never will I target one member. For what reason? You are not too important though. You are not too important. You are to receive the word in humility and say, God, I'm sorry. Then you move on in transformation. That's what you do. Offense everywhere. Offense everywhere. Everyone is offended. Everyone is offended. Luke 17. Luke 17. Look. Luke 17. Thank you, Jesus. Abashige Baloka. Look at the verse 1. Luke 17, 1. <laughs> Look, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offense will come. Offense will come. Everybody will get to a day where he will be, he will be offended. 
I listen to me. Offense will come. So, don't be surprised at offense. How you deal with offense is the problem. Offense will come. You need to deal with offense very well. You either allow the word of God to delete it from your heart or you confront the situation immediately so it does not grow into bitterness. Offense will come. Mark chapter 24, the verse 10. Mark 24, 10. Mark 24. Is it Mark 24? No, Mark is, doesn't have 24. Matthew 24, 10. Sorry. Matthew 24, 10. Look. He says, Then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. Look at the three things there. Many will be offended and they shall betray one another and they shall hate one another. So you see, offense will always lead to betrayal and hate. If anybody betrayed another, it was because he began with offense. Nobody just betrayed anybody. If a young pastor betrayed his father, it's because he was offended with something. If a, if a church father betrays his own spiritual son, it was because there was an offense somewhere which was unresolved. So you need to be careful with offense. In the New Testament or in the four Gospels, John the Baptist was an example of offense. John the Baptist came to announce Jesus Christ. He came to announce Jesus. He announced Jesus. And says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He announced Jesus beautifully. He, he opened the ministry of Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus began to do miracles. Unfortunately, John the Baptist was arrested and he was in prison. And John the Baptist began to hear all the powerful things Jesus was doing. And John the Baptist was offended. And sent somebody to go and tell Jesus that are you the Messiah or we should expect somebody. You know why? Because he was expecting Jesus by his influence and power to bring him out of prison. And he was offended. Look at Matthew chapter 11 verse 2. Matthew 11 2. Please write these scriptures down and go and read them. Matthew 11 2. Look. He says, Now when John had in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of the disciples and said to him, Are thou he that should come or we should look for another? And Jesus said unto, unto them, Go and show John again. Those things which, do here, which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So John was offended because he was expecting Jesus to use his influence and power to bring him out of prison. And Jesus didn't. And John was offended. The say he was a cousin of Jesus, so he was offended that his own cousin did not bring him. His own cousin, his own cousin did not bring him out of prison. Interesting, and he was offended. Listen, you need to be careful and watch for offense. Let me do this in five minutes and then we are out of here. The word offense is from the Greek word scandalon. Scandalon. The word offense, which is scandalon, means uh, 
a snare or a trap. Can you imagine? Offense actually means a snare or a trap. So when you allow yourself to be offended and you, when you allow this offense to grow, you are actually in a trap. You are in a snare. It's a trap. Every offense is a trap. Make sure you don't fall into it. Every offense is a trap and make sure you don't fall into it. Now look, he says, uh, um, it means to feel annoyed by something or what someone did or said. It means to feel annoyed. So it's a feeling. So, the devil can ensnare one through offense and what that happens and when that happens one begins to do his will and manifest feelings of anger resentment, wrath criticism, hatred which leads to divisions, rebellion and fighting a lot of married couples are offended with each other today they are completely offended because the husband didn't do what he expected or the wife didn't do what he expected and they were angry. They were offended. They are bitter. They allowed the offense to grow into bitterness and their husbands who hate their wives. They resent their wives. They, they, they have bitterness against their wives and same to, to uh, husbands, uh, to wives against their husbands. And I, 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 wrote, I wrote something down. Let me read that to you. The, please listen to this he says a man and his wife had a quarrel and there was strife and offense between them and the hs the holy spirit nudged the man to apologize to his wife but he refused and was being stubborn as they were lying down the man couldn't sleep and about 2 a.m the holy spirit spoke to him and said look at what you have allowed into your house and in an open vision, this man saw a large, fierce-looking demon spirit wearing armor. The man could see each piece of armor and understand its symbolic meaning. The spirit wore helmet of pride, breastplate of unrighteousness. He carried a sword of bitterness and a shield of hatred. From his belt hung a hammer of judgment, a cloak of deception, and his feet were shod with boots of anger. Now look at that. This man had an issue with a wife. And they were offended with each other. They were bitter with each other. And at 2 a.m., he could not sleep. And the Holy Spirit told him to go and apologize to his wife. He did not apologize. And one day, the Holy Spirit said, look what you have brought into your house. Please listen to this. Look what you have brought into your house. Then the Lord gave him an open vision. He saw a large, fierce demon with an armor. And on each armor, uh, the helmet was called pride. You see, you see, when you allow hatred and resentment around you, it produces pride. You become so proud that you find it difficult to stoop low or apologize or say sorry. That's how it happens. Because you are bitter. He saw unrighteousness on the other armor. He saw the sword of bitterness and the shield of hatred. And the hammer of judgment and the cloak of deception, and his feet were shod with the boots of anger. You see, you see what I mean? Offense will bring a lot of things. Offense will bring pride, it will bring bitterness, it will bring resentment, it will bring hatred, it will bring revenge. And there are men who have revenge against their wife, there are women who have revenge against their husband, they retaliate. Unforgiveness all over. Yes, it has destroyed marriages. 
offense. You have to learn to deal with it with the word of God or confront the person with the word of God and deal with it. It also happens in our workplaces and our offices. There are a lot of Christians who are offended with their bosses, offended with their colleagues. Yeah, and they didn't deal with it. It happens even in churches. It happens amongst business partners. It happens. Yeah, offense. An usher is offended because he told someone to move. The person says, I'll move. A member is also offended because an usher told him to move to this place and he says, he will not move. And or he even moved. And he was offended that the usher commanded him or told him to move. Offense. kill offense now because offense is a seed it's a snare it's a trap in our weight there are people also who are offended with God, they were expecting a miracle the miracle didn't happen and they are offended and their Christian life is now lukewarm because they say, I mean serving God there's nothing in it I've served God all these years, God hasn't done anything for me they are offended with God we're going to continue next week I want to give you an opportunity. Lift your voice right now and pray. Ask the Lord to heal your heart. Ask the Lord to heal your heart. Of every form of offense. Ask the Lord to heal your heart. Of every offense. Lift your voice. Loro sofra dibo sochanima.